Hi everyone. So it's Morgan and Laura and we are back for another quick hitter. And obviously we had to do this because the Dallas Stars clinched the round one victory last night. Um, and you'll never guess who single-handedly, and I do mean single-handedly, found Grace Lane. Do you want to tell the audience, Morgan? It was Dennis Kiryarov who knew he was capable of such just amazingness. Well, I can't tell you who knew, but I can tell you who didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it was a vindication yeah, for sure. Kiryanov squad who have has long argued that he's underplayed, he's not played enough, and even in a four-goal game, still underplayed. Yeah, which baffling. I should be surprised, but it's not surprising. It just doesn't make any sense. And here's the thing. So a few things. First of all, it is very delicious after um, Bonus like justified everything by saying he was nervous. The guy goes out and gets four goals to like clinch the series. Yeah, and like a lot of vets on the stars have been struggling in various senses of the word. So like he's not the one who's nervous. Just gonna put it out there. But then also I think going forward, more so than Calgary. Colorado is so young and fast. That's like their identity. Like yeah. you have Nate McKinnon, but then you have Miko Rantanen, Sam Girard, Kale McCarr. All of those people are like fast, fast, young skaters. So you're going to need to play your young, fast, highest goal scoring player more. Like, yeah, it makes sense. And I was, among everything that happened in the game, I was most shocked that uh, the starting lineup for the Stars was Rope Hintz, Denis Kiryanov, uh, Pavelski, Miro Haskinen, and Jamie Alexiak, which is, like, for me, a perfect lineup, but especially a starting lineup. I was really hoping, like, since Kiryanov was the starting lineup, I was like, oh, he'll get 15 minutes easily. Still didn't get 15 minutes. But he showed that he should. Well, and, and okay, Calgary scored three goals, and he himself sc- scored four goals and was on the ice, I think, for at least two others, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he was on the ice for all the goals. I really do. I'm, I'm yeah. My brain. And, it, and it's like, okay, the guy plays less than a quarter, which this is just like a hockey little teaching moment here yeah so the way you can judge like a, a player's minutes if they're a defenseman so there's three pairs of defensemen and there's 60 minutes in a hockey game so if they play right around 20 minutes that's obviously average less is below average and more is above average and no one's ever going to hit right at most people aren't going to hit right at the average march usually there's some separation and with forwards there's four lines so it's 15 minutes And the fact that he can't even get to, like, average. Like, come on. Yeah. And, like, and I know we've said this in, like, it feels every episode. He was the star's 
leading goal scorer for the season, the only star that scored more than 20 goals on the team. How does he just not, based on just that stat alone, get more ice time? It makes no sense. And I, we've talked about this long before even starting this podcast. And there were times where, like, this is only the second season I've watched the hockey. So there was part of me that's like, so maybe ice time isn't that big of a deal. But then, like, you validated it for me. It's been validated by a bunch of, like, hockey stats nerds. So, like, I feel so much better about paying attention to that one ice time stat because like that just seems like the easiest thing to know on if he's getting the right amount of time on the ice shift numbers I don't think tells the full story and for the longest time that was how Rick Bonus was justifying oh he's getting the he's getting the amount of shifts but like if you compared his shift numbers in ice time to like everyone else's shift numbers in ice time it still made absolutely no sense And, okay, it is a totally fair point that in isolation, you can't take one game and say, like, Mm -hmm. a a coach underplayed. Because, like, this happened, I remember hearing Steve Dangle talk about this. This would happen with the Leafs, where there would be, like, one game where Austin Matthews would have lower than, like, whoever, Frederick Gauthier or something like that, someone you never heard of. And everyone would be like, oh, my God, this is a horror. This is a disaster. And then you go and you look at the stats for that game, and the team, the Toronto Maple Leafs took a ton of penalties. And Mm -hmm. so the penalty kill, which Frederick Gauthier is on, and Austin Matthews isn't. Well, okay, of course that makes sense. Right. One game. But over the course of an entire season, if Frederick Gauthier is playing more than Austin Matthews, we got big problems. Right. It's kind of the same thing here. Okay, so in one game, if you just get penalized out the wazoo, then of course Denis Gurionov is not going to be like your highest minute getter. But he plays second unit power play, and in five on five, he should be playing a decent amount. So mm-hmm. over the course of like even a, a playoff series, not even like a season, because I think that's way too long to have to make a decision, but even just a series, a week, something like that, it should balance out. And the fact that it's not tells you that he's not, Rick Bonus isn't playing him enough. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the wins, of the four wins in this series, I think he got 15 minutes. I know in one of the losses, he got 17 minutes, which was, to me, I was like, oh, well, that's going to, validate Rick Bonus's logic which is not really logic but it it's just mind-boggling and after what well I didn't really watch last night's game because apparently the hockey gods decided I was the jinx to the game so I haven't actually watched it in its entirety yet but um I it makes me wonder like I think he played almost 13 minutes last night if he played 15 minutes, how many more goals would have been scored? Like, and honestly, in hockey, why not run up the score, especially with the Stars, because we've seen them lose leads before. So, like, let him play as much time as he want, as, like, possible. And especially the thing that really sticks out to me is that first period, it seems to me that what Rick Bonus saw is, like, oh, we're giving up goals, so I need to put in all of my defensive players to really lock things down. But that's not how you change momentum. Like, they had no energy compared to Calgary. So the way you change that is to bring in energy. And when I'm thinking of, okay, who on the Stars is going to bring in energy? 
it's Dennis Gurionov. It's Rupe yeah. Hintz. Especially Rupe Hintz, my God. Like, the first season, like, nobody on the stars had energy except him. Right. Because he was the only one scoring goals for a while there. And so it's like, that's when you should really, like, go to that is to try to get a spark. Because it's like, okay, you're down 3 nothing in the first. At that point, it seemed like you either started to come back now or who cares if it's three nothing or eight nothing if you're not going to play with any kind of energy right and so it's like let's get that going and so it just seems like his way of doing things is so different than what makes sense yeah and I and also just like I, I do struggle with I, I hate the logic of oh, well, he played more in a loss, so that means he shouldn't play more. Because that's exactly what I was saying about, okay, well, you can't co- judge a coach because one game of ice times, mm-hmm. because there's, like, things that can impact it. Well, you can't similarly judge a player because results and play aren't always correlated. They typically are. Over a course of a season, it'll balance out. If you're a good team, you're not just going to get unlucky the entire season and not get any wins. It's not like the Detroit Red Wings were actually good and just got massively unlucky. No, they really sucked. Like that's and, and kind of the same in the opposite. It's not as if the Boston Bruins were this terrible team who just lucked into the President's Trophy. Neither of those things happen. But in any one game, it can happen. And so it's like, yeah, he played 17 minutes in a loss, but that doesn't mean that the two are related. Yeah, and it, it but it feels like that's like the logic that bonus has is that he played 17 minutes in a loss, but he played 13 and a half minutes in a game. He scored four goals and got five points. So maybe I should play him less. Like that's how it feels like it would be justified, which makes no sense. Um, And as you know, I keep the, the ice time records here. And so last night, especially was something I was really interested in. And after that first period, Garyanov had the uh, second least amount ice time. Uh, the least amount for, I think, the entire game made sense for the most part. It was uh, Kiwi Ranta. I don't know if I said his name right. Oh, Yoel Kiwi Ranta. Yeah. Um, Finish. And I I mean, that was kind of expected because he was placed in a uh, place of Yanmark, who I don't know if he was officially listed as unfit to play or just scratched. Um, so I kind of expected him to have the least amount. That's kind of just what Rick Bonus does. Anyone who's slotted in for someone else gets the least amount of ice time. Um, and after that first period, Giryanov only had four minutes and 41 seconds, which I guess close enough to five minutes, sure. But then the second period, which is when he scored the hat trick, he only had eight minutes and 37 seconds. He played, what, just four minutes in that period that he scored a freaking hat trick in. And Perry had more ice time than him by, like, ten five seconds, but still. But Perry shouldn't be close, honestly. Right. And then for, like, the final ice time, usually I just do top three, bottom three, but I had to do bottom four because the bottom four were Perry, thank God, had the least amount. Then Kiviranta, then Hintz was at 1324 I had to include bottom four because Garyanov was at 1327 after four goals and five points how but honestly okay 
in the same way that like it's hard for me to come up with a situation even in the out, out, out chance of like one random game outlier game that like that someone like Tyler Sagan should ever be in the bottom three uh, honestly Giriana's one thing hints should be in the Tyler Sagan realm of like he was really like, like pretty much their best player all year yeah I and mean obviously Guriana scored more right but Hintz was doing stuff when, like, literally no one else was. Yeah. And he had, like, some rough patches there, which I don't really blame him for. He w- At one point, he was literally the only one showing up to the game. So if he's going to have a low period, he deserves it because, like, just take all the time you need. Uh, but he's been, like, for the playoffs, he's either consistently been, like, in bottom three or, like, right in the middle where he doesn't break bottom or top. I think one game he managed to be in the top for, like, the first and second period, if I remember correctly. But he's – and there have been times in uh, playoffs where he hasn't really been that noticeable. But it's not in the way of, like, he should be bottom three ice times unnoticeable. It's just kind of like, okay, he's in the middle. That makes sense. He hasn't – he hasn't been bad. He just hasn't been, like, how he was at the beginning of the season, which that was almost a year ago, so can't really expect that. The thing, though, the thing, too, to me that seems like a I was, I was re-listening, too, because both of us uh, really loved Dmitry Filipovich, who mm-hmm. is, like, president of the Guriana <laughs> fan club. Yeah. Um, but I was listening to his, his show. He does the Hockey PDO cast, which, just to explain, PDO is it's a combination of like your your collective team's shooting percentage and your team's collective save percentage like between all of your goalies and it will tell you you can keep it over a period of time and it kind of tells you how lucky you are so like anything over one i think is considered to be gen- generally pretty lucky and anything like less than one is considered kind of unlucky because the thought is like there are averages of both that should be about the same and so if if it's low or high it can impact results but so that's why it's called the hockey video kiss but all of that to say he had Sean Shapiro on one time and I was listening to him talk about how uh, how basically at that time the stars didn't really have consistent lines except for that Faxa, Cogliano, and Como line, right? Yeah, FCC line. FCC line. And the thing is, okay, just because they've been together all year doesn't mean you need to play them a lot because they are your fourth line and have been your fourth line all year and there are certain circumstances where of course it makes sense to play them and deploy them and it's not like any no one's saying just like leave them on the bench and leave them stapled there but the reason for them getting more ice time shouldn't be well they've been together more than any other line well who the heck cares (laughs) and it's kind of the same way that just because Sagan, Vid, and Radulov are all on the same line, they shouldn't always, and generally they have, at least one or two of them have always been in the top three, and some, and usually it's Sagan, which makes sense, but then there are times where, like, suddenly Jamie Vin will be, like, number one in ice time, and if I go look at the game, I'm like, but did he really even do anything? Like, 
sometimes it just may it, as much as it doesn't make sense who's in the bottom three sometimes the top three doesn't make much sense either mm-hmm. um but I'm hoping that with Guryanov getting four goals five points maybe tomorrow he'll get more ice time which I, I say that and at the same time I'm like well I doubt it because it's not like he got more ice time in the game that he did that in Mm-hmm. So my hopes are still kind of low, but optimism is kind of high, maybe. Uh, I don't love the uh, the reason we're recording this on Friday and not Saturday like we had planned, because we thought, oh, all of the series are going to fall in line where we'll record Saturday, it'll come out Monday, and it'll be just in time for round two. Well, joke's on us, because they decided, oh, let's start the Stars round two on Saturday when they would have been playing game seven of round one makes absolutely no sense to me because Friday they decided stars get a mandatory off day and they're going to like the football field or whatever that a lot of the teams have been going to for like basically their field trip slash recess that they get um so like I don't know when they're gonna I mean I guess I'll have morning skate on Saturday but I'm guessing they're doing like video stuff today maybe well, today was, like, seemed like this. the team decided no work on Friday. Like, they were just going to have the time I'm off I'm guessing they're changing that, though, if they have to play tomorrow, because they definitely need to do a scout. Yeah, it kind of just sucks, though, because I'm like, well, everyone else gets at least a whole other day to re- – like, Colorado got an extra day of relaxation. Vegas doesn't even know when they get to play. Like, it, it the one good sucks. Thing, though, the one good thing for um, – from the Colorado like the opponent perspective they didn't know who they were playing Mm -hmm. and so like they the scout thing is not as delayed like it's a little more fair in that regard obviously there's the rest argument which is certainly an argument but yeah at least the the scouting thing is the same amount of time the thing I was just I'm thinking about because this is something we talk about you're talking about like Jamie Benn and stuff like that Something that gets talked about when it comes to evaluating general managers is that a general um, tendency GMs have in the NHL is to play, to pay players based on past performance. Mm -hmm. So players who are like past 30, if they've been good, will get good contracts. And even when it's pretty obvious that pretty soon, if not already, they're going to start the decline. And that's, like, been a big thing of, like, this is how we need to challenge conventional wisdom. Like, we can't pay for past performance. We have mm-hmm. to pay for what it looks like reasonably we can expect from you during the life of this contract. And I think that's a similar thing coaches sometimes do, where it's like, well, Jamie Ben's a veteran. He's the captain. He makes this much money. He's this, that, and the other. And it's like, from a coaching perspective, it really doesn't matter how much they make, how long they've been. All, like, of course, experience matters, but how much they make absolutely does not matter. And experience is only a factor. Like, talent is kind of a big factor. Current mm-hmm. abilities. And so, love Jamie Ben, and he definitely has a lot of utility in the playoff style, like his toughness is really necessary for a playoff style. But there's some circumstances where maybe it made sense to play him in 2014, that it quite frankly just doesn't make sense to play him in now. Yeah, I think it's also consistency. Like there have been parts in that round one series where it kind of, he kind of had like beast mode Jamie Ben that we all love to see. 
But then there were other times where it was just like, almost like he wasn't there. And I think seeing players who are more consistent just makes more sense. Like the young guys, Pavelski, super consistent in this round. Um, Miro Haskinen, Jamie Oleksiak even. Um, But like, honestly, for Rick Bonus putting Radulov and Sagan and Ben all together again, like, they've almost been invisible this series. Like, there have been a couple moments where they each have, like, really good, uh, like, periods of play. But, like, for the most part, they're not the ones sticking out to me. Well, uh, so this is another I'm going to pull from that Dmitry Filipovich mm-hmm. interview with Sean Shapiro. And this was before they had – because for, like, the end of the regular season and for a while, the line of hints Pavelski – um, Gurionov has been kind of a thing but at the time it really wasn't it was mm-hmm. Gurionov, Pavelski and other person like they hadn't really mm-hmm. found that third person but they were talking about why Gurionov and Pavelski worked together so well and it's like Gurionov has that raw speed and energy and skill oh. but Pavelski has that knowledge and wisdom that kind of only comes with playing in the league well to where he yeah. knew where he could put the puck where Gurionov could get it but no one else could or where Gurionov was going to go and there was like that that chemistry they talk about but it was just like raw skill and energy combined with that veteran wisdom and I think that there could be something to that with Pavelski or not Pavelski but Sagan, Ben and Radulov. Certainly with Sagan I think pairing Sagan with a younger player it kind of makes some sense Mm-hmm. I think Sagan still has beast mode in him, but yeah. he also has a wisdom that your younger players aren't necessarily going to have. And so I think there is that that good balance. Yeah, and I think going off of that, um, when Calgary got the 3-0 lead to start uh, the first period, Bonus used his timeout very quickly. And I think it was in Shapiro's 2020 after the game, he mentioned that really the coaches weren't really the ones that did a lot of talking to calm everyone down in that first period. It was more of like the veteran players, which I personally liked because I kind of feel like it's it would if I was on a team, a young guy on that team, I think I'd rather hear from like the players about like, okay, we need to kind of like slow the game down, relax a bit. Because like for the most part, they've probably been there before. So like hearing it from them, I think would be – more comforting than like the coaches who are just watching the game. Um, I also noticed, and I can't remember, I think I did see it on Twitter, um, at the end of the game when Rick Bonus after the handshakes and everything was coming off the ice and Jamie Benn was standing at the bench, like he made no eye contact with Rick Bonus. And I think we talked about this in the last episode that like there's just no celebration with Rick Bonus, which to me, I mean, you can read into anything, but to me, that just kind of solidifies even more that, like, there's tension there that shouldn't be, and, I mean, the head coach is obviously an important part of the team, and if the team and the head coach aren't really getting along or there there seems to be tension, then that's not very good, and it kind of, I don't know, it just makes me wonder, like, how far are they going to make it? with if they're not getting along with the head coach and like who like I don't know I just have a lot of questions I okay I'm still putting this out there please 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 Dallas like don't even interview just offer the job to Gerard Gallant 
He is so good. What he was able to do with Vegas, like if you looked at the team, Vegas got had their first year in the league. Mm-hmm. I don't know of a single projection that had him and had them anything but thirty first. Like I don't even know of a projection that had them thirtieth. And they made it to the Stanley Cup Finals. Now some of that was good goaltending, which is a little luck, but a lot yeah. of that was a structure he made that really utilized the skill set that he was given. That it's just so perfect and he had like a there was a defensive structure but then it was also the offense around like puck possession and like getting chances and the kinds of things Dallas doesn't always necessarily do amazing like on the offensive side of things and Mm -hmm. so please 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 and I think also it, it just feels like there's not a trust between Rick Bonus of the team and the team of Rick Bonus and obviously we get like cliche answers and they would never admit to that, but it just, that's the the vibe that comes from the team, especially when Rick Bonus is saying Giuliano looks nervous. And I did read in Shapiro's uh, 2020 from last night that he said that Giryanov said he was nervous, but part of me wonders if he said he was nervous just because Rick Bonus had already said that he was nervous. So why would he be like, no, I wasn't nervous. Why did he tell you that? Well, and there's also something to the fact of, and because I heard this talked about on hockey podcast with players that like you'd be sitting in the locker room and you'd feel nervous, like when you're taping your stick up and getting ready for the game. But yeah. like once the puck drops and like the speed and you're going and everything, it's like you almost don't have time, right? To like, and and the t- the the instances where you would be nervous would be like if there's a breakaway and you have basically half the ice where there's no one on you because then you have time to think about it but as long as things are going and you're fast you're almost like you're too busy to be nervous right and again I think he said this like so play him more like let him get the nerves out if that's really it and still I mean he looked freaking confident as I'll get out last night like I don't know how you could be more confident than he was last night so, like, why not why, – why didn't we – I don't – and it's not even ice time because, again, he played, like, 13 and a half minutes. So – but it's just, like, maybe if you don't point out that he's nervous or, I don't know, make a big deal about it. And the thing, too, is – so the question is, okay, so he said he was nervous or he – whatever. How does nerves manifest itself? Does he su- – is he suddenly not able to skate because it didn't look like it? Is he suddenly skating slower? Because it didn't look like it. Is his shot suddenly not good? Didn't look like it. Now, okay, I think the one time that it's fair to say he looked nervous, and I think you might have pointed this out, was in the Winter Classic, that penalty yeah. shot. That was legit nerves. Like, okay, yeah. fine. But also, you can't really control who gets the penalty shot. It's just right. kind of who was penalized. <laughs> and that's a very unique situation. There's no shootouts in the playoffs. So yeah. we're good on that. So it's like, how is the nerves manifesting itself? And if it's not manifesting itself in any way that impacts his ability to be in the game, then it really shouldn't impact his ice time at all in either direction. Right. And it's like, what I just want did he turn around and say, Hey, Rick, I'm nervous. Don't play me more. Like what, like what, I don't get it. Like, like you said, how, how did he realize 
that Giranov was nervous because he wasn't playing like he was nervous. Like, sure, he he didn't score four goals every game, but there was no part that I was like, ooh, he looks nervous. Maybe he should get less ice time or maybe he should be on a different line or like there was no part of him. Like there have been other players where I'm like, oh, he did not look his best. Giranov has not been one of them in any of the games. Yeah, so I think I think if it's materially impacting his play, that's one thing. It clearly wasn't. Like, non, we're not blind. It clearly right. wasn't. So that ain't the issue. And, yeah, so I just... Okay, I feel like this episode is going to be, like, <laughs> a la free Joe Kelly, free Danny Brianna. <laughs> Please, like, he's good. He proved it. He like, And he's proved it all season. Yeah. So, like, please just do what makes sense for – and I think that's what the team wants, too, because these guys want to win. Yeah. And, I mean, there was a while there where they were looking like, do they really want to go on to the second round? Like, are they just doing it because, like, they have to be there, so might as well just play it. But, like, you can tell when they win, they, they're genuinely having fun and they enjoy it. So it's not like they want to lose. So it's like – and they just, like – all the veterans look like proud dads when, like, Miro or Giryanov score a goal. They're just like, look at these these futures just growing in front of our eyes. But, like, I, I and I really hope that starting lineup stays because if – although I feel like it's going to change if Yanmark ends up playing on Saturday, I feel like Rick Monis is going to change that lineup around, which I – Miro, Oleksiak, Pavelski – Adriano and Hints, that just seems like a perfect line for all of those players. Like, it just fits so well. Well, yeah, and especially, you got to remember, last year, Joe Pavelski was in the playoffs with the San Jose Sharks and was a captain. He was the yeah. San Jose Sharks captain. And obviously, he's not just going to be like, hey, Jamie, lose the letter, I'm captain now. That's not how <laughs> anything works. <laughs> But if you look at who's on the ice for that, Jamie Alexiak, Miro Heiskanen, Rupe Hintz, and Dennis Gurionov, and Pavelski. Well, okay, Alexiak is actually kind of a veteran yeah. amongst that crew, which says something because he's pretty young still. Yeah. So Pavelski is like the de facto captain in that lineup. Yeah. And so that's, and that's like good for him too because that's a role he excels at. Yeah, and I think you made a good point earlier about saying that like, Pavelski like knows what to do in those situations because at first like you look at that lineup and you're like wow Miro and Rope and Dennis all have that speed how is how are the other two going to keep up with them but like Pavelski doesn't necessarily have to be keep up with them as far as speed goes to be beneficial in that in that lineup like I think just his knowledge and like just hockey IQ, I guess, is just, like, really beneficial to those young guys. Yeah, definitely. So, I, I was thinking about, I want to wrap up a little bit with um, some Calgary Flames stuff, just because I found <laughs> it interesting watching last night. Um, so, I know you said you hadn't watched. Watch the, like, ISO cams they do of Matthew Kachuk. Oh, I, I saw. I it's, saw those. You watch it, and, I mean, you feel for him because it's hard. He's, he's clearly very hurt. Yeah. And you can't do anything but watch his team, like, duff a three-goal lead. But you watch that, and the first thing in my mind is he's going to be the captain someday. Because yeah. he already has an A, and um, he just got off his entry-level contract. And Mark Giordano is, like, in his mid to upper 30s. So I'm just like, when Giordano retires, it's Matthew Kachuk. Mm-hmm. And it's like, 
in pure talent, Johnny Gaudreau might be better, probably is better. But Matthew Kachuk just has the talent, but also, like, the presence and the authority of, like, so many people in the locker room respect him and, like, rely on him for energy. Mm -hmm. And I just really like that. So, obviously, he's still kind of a jerk on the ice. Although, I would argue, not remotely close to, like, say, Tom Wilson. Right. Agreed. Because he does – he's more in, like, the Brad Marchand mold for me, where he does things that you're like, oh, really, you jerk – kind of stuff yeah. where it's like little needling things of like the annoying younger brother but Tom Wilson it's like there's almost an intent to injure yes and that's yeah. I, I don't necessarily like the Mark Shifley thing I got thought got blown way out of proportion oh yeah agreed. if you look at that hit there is zero chance he intended to injure Mark Shifley right. at all like I can look at that and it doesn't matter if I consider take into account his past there is no chance there was any intent behind that. And so, because you would have had to know that Mark Shifley was, like, going to turn back the different right. direction. It's like, well, he's not clairvoyant, so... And he even looked like he was trying, like, once he realized that he was kind of turning, that it looked like he, uh, Kachuk tried to, like, move out of the way so he didn't. Yeah. Like, I so... saw no part of that that seemed like he intentionally, like, hit him in the knee or in the ankle or whatever, like... Even the broadcast was trying to make you see. And the, the Winnipeg coach kind of was like, oh, well. But, I'm, but I think Shifley and everyone else was like, yeah, I'm just not seeing it. Sorry. Yeah. And I think that. Aren't Shifley and Kachuk, like, think at they, least not friends, but, like, don't they? They at least, like, work, work out. out together in the summer. Yeah. There's, like, a few different things. A few different, like, of the main camps and main stuff, like, biosteel is a big thing, and, like, there's a few of those that are big, and so they kind of all know each other through different things like that, and so, yeah, it's just not seen it, but all of that to say, watching his reactions, and, like, he, like, was throwing things, and, like, (laughs) really very obviously, and the the thing is, it was sometimes hard to read GMs during this playoffs, because they had the masks on, Mm -hmm. even though you can see their eyes, there's just something you're not quite getting, yeah. You could tell what Kachuk was oh, thinking. Yeah. There was that one point, like, when he put his head down, in my mind, I was like, wait, was he wearing a mask? Because I feel like I saw all the emotions on his face. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, because I was seeing, like, the gifts on Twitter of it, and in my mind, I was like, wow, I kind of relate to him since I can't watch the game. Like, I kind of feel that emotion more than I feel, like, Stars fans emotion just because I can't watch it. Um. But I did, part of me did feel bad, but it was kind of entertaining to see his reaction. Because um, there was one point he, like, threw his cap in the air, and part of me was like, I hope that was when Gary Adam got the hat trick, just because that just fits. <laughs> Irony. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, I, I think, obviously, I definitely understand. And if I was in the Western Conference, I probably would hate to Chuck more than I do now. So, there's something about him I just think is so good for the game of hockey. Him and Brady both. I think yeah. have a really good personality. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, even in baseball, I'm like this. I kind of like the the players with attitude, but that's an attitude not in, like, a malicious or, like, mean even way. Like, there are some people who have, like, the chip on their shoulder, but it's not in, like, a, a full-on I'm better than you kind of attitude. Like, it's almost – like, he deserves that chip on his shoulder. Like, he's mm-hmm. kind of earned it, but it's, again, not in, like, he doesn't have, like, the intent to, like, be a full-on asshole to everyone. So, if that like, makes 
I think this is a bigger conversation too for baseball and for hockey because this is something they both have where there's like the the unwritten rules and the old (laughs) school and all of that crap yeah and I think you have your like the example I thought of in baseball is your Matt Harvey type who I think Mm -hmm. is doesn't have an ounce of like old school in him but that's not a good thing because there's like a certain thing that people associate with old school which is like be holding yourself accountable and just like being responsible no matter what mm-hmm. and kind of just like kind of just being righteous and yeah. I think what I like about the Kachucks in that regard is like Matthew Kachuk when he signed his extension after there was a little bit of a holdout but then he signed his extension he bought these like wine bottles that he had engraved it's like everything's over like let's have a fun season or something and not only did he give them to his entire team but he gave them to all of the training staff too and like all of the team staff and that's kind of something that I think people classify as old school but to me what I like about that is then it's taking that element of like old school but then he has fun on Instagram and he and Brady did the like stuck with the Kachuk thing and the, and I the love that. fun on the ice and he and Dave Riddich have their little celebration thing mm-hmm. and that's more of like your new school but I think that's what new school truly is is like taking those elements of old school that really shouldn't be old school but should be timeless right and bringing those in but then also having that fun element and not keeping rules just because we've always done things this way yeah and I think we can do a big like episode about unwritten rules especially after this week um real quick speaking of baseball though <laughs> the Mets are Metsing again uh they now have a positive COVID uh case and so they've postponed a few games well and so I heard that allegedly it sounds like they're they're like shining hope Steve Cohen might not be the one and it could end up being that group that has like 20,000 owners including A-Rod and J-Lo which I think if that group ends up owning the Mets that would be like a disaster yeah but it would be perfect Mets yeah for sure so but anyways a lot of stuff to talk about and I do think it would be good sometime who knows when we aren't going to have sports to talk about anytime in the near future (laughs) but it would be good to talk about unwritten rules and no doubt we'll talk about that this week oh yeah Anyways, with that, I guess we'll sign off for today and we'll see you all in a few days.